I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Independent Agent Podcast. Today we've got a couple questions to tackle, one from an agency owner dealing with a a staffing issue and how to leverage outsourcing and the impact on just really the workload of his team. And then the second issue is coming from a producer and E&O situation that he found himself in. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question to Jordan and we'll jump in right there. This person writes... We've been using an outsourcing company for the past couple of years to reduce the back office processes for our account managers. While it appears they've taken a lot of work off the account manager's desk, my team claims to be as busy as ever. It seems like they will just adapt one way or another. If I increase client count, they'll just get the job done. And if I reduce the client count, they'll stretch out their workday. How do we address this problem? Because I feel like I'd be better off just keeping things the way they were. Yeah, I've actually heard that several times from a lot of different agencies. You know, there's a couple of things that I I think would be helpful. If you were to just approach that your staff with saying, hey, I feel like this is what's happening, you'll probably get some pushback because you don't have any numbers behind it. I'm sure you're doing this already in your agency, but if you have the metrics to back this up, like, hey, we used to have five years ago, a thousand clients, and now we're at 1200 clients, but five years ago, we were doing that no outsourcing. Now we're doing outsourcing and it's taken off, you know, 40 hours a month per account manager and just be able to break some of that down and then just bring it up to the staff. Be like, is there something that I'm not seeing here? Is there any work that I'm not understanding that's why it's taking longer to get done? I think people are, are better when you are able to kind of lay it out in black and white and really just be willing to hear them out because there could be things, you know, certificate volume could be higher. You could have more complex accounts. There could be a variety of different reasons, but I think you do need to address it because there is the reality that human nature is like, we'll go slower. We'll, we'll do less. We'll complain more, you know, even if things are being taken off, we'll always find a reason to make things more complicated than they need to be. So that's my thoughts. Just... I was almost laughing while reading it because it brings back memories of a previous employer I worked with. And the slogan was, do more with less. And as the economy was starting to tighten up a bit, they were asking us as a team to do more with less. And our team rose to the occasion. But when I then saw the stress it took on my team and and things were good as far as operationally and financially for the agency. I said, how can I remove a, a workload from my team back then? 
and we were successful in removing things, but my father had a prediction. And he said, Justin, if you remove the work from their plate, they will just find out a way to stretch uh, stretch the work day out, just kind of like was in this question here. And I said, Dad, no, that's not the case. And sure enough, it proved itself out to be true. Flash forward to our own agency, and we've done a lot of outsourcing, and we've been successful in that. And what you find is human nature is a big component of it. And as an agency, if you aren't disciplined about metrics and those KPIs that are really important for success, then you're going to let your employees dictate what the workflow looks like, what the workday looks like, and it is very easy to get off track and it's very difficult to get on track. One helpful exercise, which probably would be a little embarrassing for the group, would possibly to ask everyone to grab their phone and hold it up and look at the screen time that they've been using and, and look at the average amount that they're picking up that phone on a, a daily basis and the, the time spent on what type of apps. I don't think your staff would be thrilled to do that. And if you're not seeing the productivity, what likely is happening is they're checking that phone a lot and they're having conversations. And while you don't want to be a dictator, human nature is what it is. So you have to bring awareness to it, say, hey, this is a struggle for all of us. Let's as a team tackle this. But I don't think the answer is going away from outsourcing. Yeah, that's absolutely not the answer. So uh, I would sooner tell you to find new people than to go away from outsourcing because you don't need your fifty, sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollar account manager doing eight, ten dollar an hour work. It's just it's the wrong use of their time and capabilities. And so I would say the right thing to do is radical accountability throughout the organization and identifying those KPIs, getting buy-in from the team, and then saying, we're aware that we're not as productive as we need to be. Here is the why behind why we need to be productive. Here's the long-term impact on the organization and what it means for retention of accounts, what it means for overall stability of the agency. And when you can explain the why, you identify those KPIs that are important, you get the buy-in, and you execute and follow up on that, you'll see this problem will likely resolve itself fairly quickly, but not unless you're willing to have that difficult conversation and have your team members admit, yeah, they weren't given 100%. And to be honest, you weren't always given 100% either. If you can go with that level of accountability, I think you'll find yourself much more successful. Going away from outsourcing isn't the answer. Investing more time and accountability towards outsourcing and the impact it has on your team and what it frees them up to do. So what outsourcing companies now say to teams is prior to launching, what is it, if we're able to take off these things from their desks, do you want your team members to do? So you need to be able to articulate that ahead of time. It's tough once you're on the other side of it, but now that you say, hey, if the data shows that you should have 20% more time, how are we going to fill it? What are the productive metrics that we need to see to show that we're going to contribute to the organization? Totally. I just noticed that we were in similar colored shirts, plaid patterns, blue and green. Well, we, cute. we, we did hire a, a stylist <laughs> to help us that... Yeah, she, she I would didn't. name drop her, but I'm not sure she wants her name dropped here. <laughs> Why? I think I look good. Sure. Yeah. She, she might say that that shirt was a few years old, but... Well, because she bought it a few years ago for me. <laughs> yeah, and you're still wearing it. And you wear skinny jeans now. I do. They're not skinny. They're just fitted. They're skinny. They're not skinny. They're, they're, and you bought cowboy boots when we were in Nashville. Because it was buy one, get two pair free. You still bought cowboy boots. Didn't you? 
uh, for my daughter. Oh, well, I got them for my wife, my daughters, and myself. And I think Trent took the other two for he and Jenna. Yes. Yeah, because we bought two, got four free. It's a great deal. More than once. Things where we go into the booze section, right? <laughs> okay. So, the halftime, because it's holiday season, I love, love a good dirty martini. Okay? So, I've never been a huge gin person, but I found one gin that I really liked. It's called the Botanist, which coincidentally is from the Islay, which is, you know, the, the region in Scotland where I had you have the scotch from, the Lagavulin. So maybe it's just the region that I that I tend to like. But I'm gonna make you one. You can entertain everyone while I make your cocktail, sing them a song or something. But Well, was this one was this at your house as well? Was it was what at my house? Uh, this Whatever. The botanist? The botanist, yeah. yes. Oh, you mean I didn't use company I, money to, to buy the booze this time? Well, I was just curious because if you go to his house, not only is there plenty of, of, of wine in in stock, there's the uh, triple tap kegerator and every beverage imaginable. So I don't even know why he would need to go out and purchase anything new. Because we have friends over and they drink. <laughs> hey, at all times I keep boxed wine at my house. So gross. So gross. You get the equivalent of four bottles of wine for 20 bucks. Yep, little spillage. So the dirty martini as opposed to a clean martini? No, you know, I, I should probably should know the history on it. I've read it before. I don't recall what it is. Here, do you want to smell the gin? <sighs> All right. Yeah. So we're going to go. So this, you don't like the Ryan Reynolds brand, his new thing? Uh, I didn't actually. I did hear he had it. He, had he does. It. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't tried it. I don't even, what's it called? I don't know. I don't drink gin. You should. Okay, so then we're gonna go. You pour the olive juice in. It's a dirty martini, brother. Mm. So we're, we're we're going two and a half parts gin, half part olive brine, half part dry vermouth. But really, they pour the olive juice in the drink. Yeah. So it's salty. Yeah. It's actually delicious. You'll probably hate it, but shake, shake, shake. Now, scale of one to ten, how much do you think I'm going to hate this? Um, is ten hate or is, is one hate? Let's go with one is hate. One is hate. I think you're going to probably give it. A one. Yeah, you should probably give me the less full one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the <laughs> like a sampler one. size. Here, instead of, I, I had cocktail sticks. I don't know where they're at. So I think they're is. on your office floor. There's an olive, blue cheese stuffed olive too. <laughs> yep, it's that good. Oh, are they, did I leave the cocktail sticks on my floor? Okay. Yeah. Well, too I'll late now. Drop one in there for now. All right. So, have you ever had a dirty martini before? No. Gosh, I love that. It's like you never went to college, man. I went to college, but my drink of choice was tequila, specifically Sousa. Okay, here you go. All right. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why would anybody do this? Oh, it's actually really, really good. Um, Oh. (laughs) You don't like it. it. It's like... It's like you put salt water mixed with alcohol. Like, yeah, if, if I 
if you I, apparently gave me some gin, had me go underwater in the ocean, gargle some of that, and then gave me an olive, which sounds delicious. Oh wow! So so on a one to ten, it doesn't even reach. <laughs> it, it's 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 off the scale in the the, the worst way possible. I, I, I think it's actually delicious. I don't know if it's the botanist or if Ryan Reynolds' gin brand would taste better, or if it's the olive juice or it's really tasty. What's the green bottle again? It's a dry vermouth. Means nothing to me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. We move on. So, so ultra wins again. Ultra wins. Okay. All right. We're going to question number two. I am a producer at the agency, and I just had my first Eno issue come up as a result of the mistake my account manager made. Our agency made me sign an agreement that I would be responsible for the self-insured retention on any claim that involved my accounts. I don't have a problem with that in theory, but when I joined the agency, our policy had a $2,500 SIR, and two years ago, the agency increased the SIR to 10000 I just received an email saying it would be coming out of my quarterly bonus to offset the SIR. I'm not sure if this is legal, and I had zero control over the account manager's mistake to begin with. How do I approach this issue with my agency principles? What do you think, Just? Well, first, I am not an attorney. Yeah, this is, I'm not sure this is a great question for us to try and answer. I can do my best. I'll <laughs> wing it. I did sleep through business law in college, but I did attend. What I can say is this. Each state may, may have some different legislation that's that that addresses <laughs> how ambiguous can you make this <laughs> so it so, doesn't come off as don't a legal sue response me. please don't sue me but let me speak to the first issue i have seen agencies require this before and a couple issues that stand out to me one the trouble i see is the mistake was caused by somebody else that's what you're telling us if i take you at face value the account manager didn't do something but still the mistake happened so you're paying for it. Now, my response would be, I believe you have liability because you should be overseeing their work to a certain extent. I don't know the details of this, but also the agency who oversees you. So the fact that you're responsible for the SIR, I'm not a fan of that. If you had previous claims, if that's missing from the story, if if you're an ENO nightmare for the agency, then yes, absolutely. So I see that as one issue. The other issue I see is you sign an agreement and the SIR was one number. And so the monetary value going from $2,500 to $10,000 presents another problem because your agreement, if I read this correctly, was at $2,500. And now you're being asked to incur a significantly larger dollar figure there. And that's because the agency wanted to pay less in premium or had other issues that their only option was a $10,000 SIR. So I think you have a couple issues there. I don't think any of them are best addressed with attorneys. I think the best approach is actually to go back to ownership. And if truly you can state the case that this was an account manager issue and it was something that you have been asked not to jump into, case in point, our producers, we don't want them involved in the day-to-day. We want them selling. So if there's an issue that's completely outside their job responsibility, that they would have never been responsible for checking, and that account manager makes an E&O mistake, one, to hold that producer accountable and affect their paycheck for something that they couldn't control, I think is unfair. I think you can make that case to an agency owner if that is indeed the case. Or if we're talking about the $2,500 number and not $10,000, 
Now, there may be some shared responsibility. I take some of the hit, the agency takes some of the hit, and you work through it from that angle. Regardless, I think you have a tough situation on your hands, which again, unfortunately, I'm not an attorney, but I I can say, I I think it starts with a conversation with owners. It's very honest, very direct. What of this? This was an actual thing you put in an agreement with me, and it should be something I can control. Now, I agreed to this, but I assumed it would be something that I can control. This was outside of my control, and if they're intellectually honest, then hopefully you can make some headway there. Jordan? (laughs) I mean, I absolutely hate that the agency has this in place. Did you even take a business law class? Um, Hmm? well, I came in music industry. Well, I was pre-business. That didn't work out. Then I went music industry, then went religion. And then you actually finished religion. I was going to, and dad asked what I wanted to do with religion. And he said, do you want to be a professor? I said, no. He goes, do you want to be a pastor? I said, no. He goes, and what are you going to do with a religion major? I said, fair point. So I ended up finishing with economics as my degree. And no, I never took a business law. Is economics, is that for like business school dropouts? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, it's like 80% of the courses are the same between the business and then the music industry class I took. And so that was, it was one of those things where it's like, I got to get out in four years and made it happen. Now I sound smart because I have an economics major or people looks good on a resume. What, what were we talking about, dude? Oh, I don't like that agency owners do this. It drives me nuts. I don't think it's a responsibility of the employee to do that. I think it's your responsibility as the agency and agency principals to have proper procedures in place. And if and when an E&O claim arises, that should be on you. Now, if you have a repeat offender who's had multiple of these, then either the A shouldn't be at your agency or B, then you can try and put something like this in place. But uh, honestly, like, I don't even know if this would hold up legally. You know, I'm sure in California, they're probably going to get raked against the coals. What, what can I do for this guy? I don't know because I'm not an attorney and I don't like that. <laughs> I have to try and answer a question that has legal ramifications to it. But I would agree with you and say, go talk to the owner. Hopefully you have a relationship with them and just lay things out. Could you say those words that I like to hear? You're right. What, what's your right? What am I saying you're right about? You just said you agreed with me, but I like hearing you say oh, you're right. Gosh, I have so many other words I want to say to you right now. <laughs> you can do it. Come on. That's not even like it, <laughs> that's not even part part of I know, but it feels so good. It warms my little heart. <sighs> I'm I'm frustrated at the agency principal in this. So if you are an agency owner and you have these in place, know that I don't approve. Yeah. And that's that means something. <laughs> I have an economics degree. You should listen to me. And I attended a business law class. And we're drinking. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add on that. I know I'm not helpful, but go talk to your agency owner. And if things go bad, write us back again, and maybe we can find an attorney. No, probably still not. Maybe we, I don't know. You know what we can do is we can have a follow-up where you can tell us what we said was wrong and what you learned. Perfect. So that the next podcast, we can correct it so that we don't lead others astray. Perfect. So whoever you are, let us know how it went. Okay. That's all I got, man. All right. Well, that's it for today. Uh, Got anything else to add? And No, I think we're good. Appreciate it, everyone. Cheers.